Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always with you on the Greatest Games Podcast. The chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a JV coach, a B-team coach. It could be the time when they were just a manager handing out the water. Just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. You never fail to disappoint, Chris de Blasio. <laughs> I, I tell you, I know the pressure's on. I mean, we're we're rolling through episodes. We're in the 40s now. I mean, we we we're in this for the long haul. So I can't wait to see where you're going to be at episode 200, episode 1,000, <laughs> seeing what you're going to bring out for that. Cannot wait to to see what you bring out for that. But I tell you what, you know, Chris. I mean, all we do with the greatest games is just make history. That's that is flatly what we do. Everybody looks to us like, what are the guys going to do to make history? And yet again, we make history. We have our first current athletic director who was also a former basketball coach. He has coached middle school to college, has been all over the world with basketball, from Africa to Asia to Europe, domestically here in the U.S. with camps. You name it, he's done it. Doctor, and this is another thing. He has a PhD. I don't think we've had. This is Doctor Neil Ring from Bob Jones University, the athletic director at Bob Jones University. Doctor Ring, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Well, Brian, it's hard to imagine all of that in one lifetime, but uh, thank you. Uh, That's a very nice welcome, and I'm I'm looking around to see who you're talking about. But uh, very blessed to the experiences I've had and. Really honored to, to be on your podcast today and looking forward to our time together. What's the craziest country you've been to? The most obscure country? Just I just decided to throw that out there. This is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, I've been to Ivory Coast, West Africa. Okay. Yeah, West Africa. Yeah, um, yeah. Is, is probably the most obscure place I've been. Um, uh, I've been uh, different parts of China. I've been in the Eastern Europe. So, but probably uh, the most unusual compared to, to here is probably uh, Ivory Coast. Uh, or Brian, as they like to be called, Côte d'Ivory. Yes. Oh, that's the French uh, pronunciation. Nice. They were a former French colony. Excuse me. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 Dr. Ring, Neil, I tell you, that's that's the thing about this podcast. That uh, I'm just glad he didn't ask me that in the form of a question. He just told me. Because had he asked me a question, mm-hmm. I would I obviously would have gotten it wrong. I think I'm, what, I'm one for my last 72 questions. No, Is the that last, right? last podcast you got two right. That's Remember right. You? I did. Oh, that was, whew, I tell you what, that was uh, not normal. Not normal at all. <laughs> Well, that's well, awesome. Really, I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. I'm sorry. What you know? What what people really need to understand is is I'm just trying to keep up with Brian in getting my passport stamped. I get a call from him. You know, hey, just want to let you know I'm on my way to X Y Z country. And <laughs> really, when did you plan that? Well, you know, I just got up today and decided I want to go. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. I, you, you, you are right about that. I'm the same way. I have about eight or nine stamps on my passport, but nowhere near Brian. Yes. He's a world traveler. It's a slight obsession, and I'm just really just trying to be like Neil Ring when I grow up. That is really what it, what it is, and and planning is not really my strong suit. But uh, maybe maybe that has something to do with my disc profile. But maybe we can talk about that later on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, Coach Ring or Doctor Ring, excuse me. Um, basketball is taking you all over the world. Why don't you take us back to the beginning and tell us about your journey through basketball and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I appreciate that opportunity. I, you know what? I started playing basketball 
in third grade. I can actually remember the first game uh, that I played in, and, and probably because my brother was one of the referees, you know, and in nepotism, I probably had a few extra fouls called on somebody. <laughs> but uh, that was many, many years ago down in Florida. And, uh, you know, just from there, I love the game. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, Coach. I don't mean to interject, but I always interject humor into these. My brother would not have made calls for me. Just <laughs> – I would have fouled out. Well, he was also my ride home, and, and he didn't want me to go home and, you know, and, and tell mom and dad that you you know, he had messed up my first game. So. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. Continue. No, that's fine. No problem. So, so basically just a journey. You know, I had the – opportunity to play in a lot of smaller um, Christian schools, private schools throughout the country. My dad was in the ministry, and so we moved a variety of times. I was in five high schools in four years, so that kind of gives you an idea of, of my journey. And played basketball everywhere I went and just loved it, loved the game. And then actually came to Bob Jones for a little bit. At that time, the university did not have intercollegiate athletics, had a very strong intramural program. So I was a, an intramural hero for uh, a few uh, few semesters, and I ended up from there going into the military, was in the Marine Corps, and then kind of, you know, searching, finding my way into the Midwest, and uh, ended up at a small school up in Wisconsin, and uh, had back surgery, and so kind of changed my life from playing and also from pursuing a, a, a career as a chaplain in the military, and and the athletic director and uh, came to me and said, hey, there's a, an opening at a, at a local school. Would you be interested in coaching? And, you know, I've been doing it ever since. And uh, just it's been a great run. I've had opportunities to have really bad teams that I've, you know, I, I seem to always start with teams that are, you know, they're struggling. And I, I love to build. I love to, you know, see them grow. And, and then I've also had, you know, really good teams that, you know, and won a couple of state championships in Arkansas. And, um, you know, so just a, a varied experience. Um, you know, most, most of my experience was, has been in the more of the, the private Christian. And then, you know, I, I got a great break when I was able to be an assistant with uh, Coach John Thompson at North Carolina Westland in uh, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And I really learned the college game there and uh, was able to parlay that into an opportunity to be a head coach at Maranatha Baptist University up in Watertown, Wisconsin. And then from there in 2012, I was hired to come to Bob Jones University and, and actually start the athletic program. And, and so I, I had a very quick meeting with uh, you know, the future head coach myself and uh, asked myself if I felt like I could do the job. And of course I said yes. And so I hired myself and uh, coached for five years, and we just continued to expand sports, and my responsibilities expanded, and uh, the president and I came to, a, uh, you know, an, an agreement that it was, it was probably best for me to, to choose one or the other, and with a doctorate in, in sport management leadership, and having been the founder of the program from a, you know, uh, most athletic directors are fundraisers, you know, I could tell the story from the beginning, it just made sense uh, for me, and it was it made sense for my family uh, to to go the route of of uh, the administration route, and then uh, from there I I started expanding my opportunities internationally, and and had you know I've been I've been blessed to be in a lot of countries and teach basketball, teach sport in, in China. I, I teach just 
uh, sport in general at a university there. I'm, I'm a visiting professor and, um, you know, so there's a, it's just, it's been a great career to this point. And uh, now we're in the process of becoming NCAA Division Three, And so, you know, that's a, that's a, a great challenge for us. And oh, by the way, there's this worldwide pandemic that is, uh, you know, is affecting all of us. So, um, but I'm thankful for my chances and, and thankful for the opportunities I've had. You know, in coach speak, and I don't know how, how much it's used anymore, but you talk about kids that have high motors, like, oh, that kid, he's just always going, he's got a high motor. Neil, that, that has been my experience in knowing you. I remember seeing you at a Final Four, just hanging out in the hotel lobby, just seeing you pour over books. And the, at that point, you were on the, the finishing touches of your PhD program. And so you're just always moving, always going, talking about five high schools in four years, a Marine from Midwest back to Arkansas. Here we get all around and now all around the world and all the things that are going on to go on division three at Bob Jones university. So my, my first question to you really is what keeps you going? What is it about you that just keeps you going? You know, that's funny because I had, I had a coach in Africa ask me the same thing. Um, we all, you know, he just, we always have at the end of, of the week um, that I do the clinic. I teach the coaches the first week and then I, we, they work with me because it's all in French and I don't speak enough French to, to instruct anything. And he just, he wanted to know what, what drives you, what keeps you going. You know, for me, uh, it's all about, you know, just personally, it's about a, a pursuit of my faith and living out my faith in everything that I do. Uh, but I, you know, I really just, I, I love the game of basketball. It's given me so much and I love the opportunity to give back and, and to give the next generation of, you know, of, of student athletes uh, an opportunity to grow, have a great experience. And, and I always look at it like this, you know, that could potentially be my grandchild's, uh, you know, future coach. And I, I want to make sure that I do right by them because I want them to go on and do right by my kid or my, you know, grandchild. And so um, just trying to use the platform that I have to live out my faith and, and make a difference in this world uh, because coaches, you know, Billy Graham said a coach will impact more lives in a year than, you know, than a, than a preacher in their entire life. So I feel like I'm in a great spot and I've been, I've had a, a great opportunity to be able to do a lot of uh, interacting and, and influencing the next generation. That's a great quote by Billy Graham. I never heard that. That's interesting. That's, I'm, th I'm now thinking about that. But uh, what I wanted to get to you with is, is a new question uh, we've, we've been looking at. Brian and I have been talking about doing some other things here with our, with our podcasts and eventual website. If you could recommend a book that, especially new or young coaches, to read, what book would that be? Hmm. Besides your own, do you have your own book? I mean, <laughs> not yet. No, I, have, I have a dissertation and I promise you, you don't want to read that. That's unless you're trying to sleep. If you have insomnia, I can, I can send it to you. Um, you know, so I, I do, um, I, I'm a, I'm a certified business coach and I do some business coaching and, and, and that's how I operate my department. I basically business coach my, my coaches and there's a, there's a book that I always recommend. It's called Fierce Conversations. And it doesn't have anything to do with basketball or even sports. It's just about tough conversations that you have to have. And, and I'm telling you, it was a powerful impact in my life uh, as I, you know, worked through 
the conversations that I needed to have. And Susan Young, I believe, is the author. She's a medical doctor, but it's just a great um, book on how to converse with people, even if it's a you know if it's a, if it's a tough conversation. Um, a second book that I would recommend is is Patrick Lencioni's book, uh, Five Behaviors of a Dysfunctional Team. Um, and that, that has some great stuff in there. It's a, you know, it's one of those allegories that you read and mm -hmm. uh, business type book. And actually uh, I did a, a workshop with Brian and his two assistant ADs utilizing that, um, you know, calling it the five behaviors of a cohesive team, kind of looking on the, the other side. And, uh, but that, that's a great book as well for, for, for uh, working together as, as coaches and working together as a group. Brian, I want to just follow up here. I got a great compliment from good friends of mine that I was spending a weekend with last weekend. They both told me what they love about me. And this was such an odd thing. This is my, one of my longtime college buddies. And they said, you are great at having conversations. It was like, a and me and this guy never talk serious. And when he said that to me, it like, he's like, no, he goes, you are unbelievable at talking with any person, you know, that's around about whatever it is that they're and I thought that was like a great compliment about me and I don't think it's true but that's what him and his wife thought so I'm I'm interested in this book I'm looking at it now as we're doing this interview well I can um say two things here one you are great at conversations <laughs> I would say that off the air as well and you makes it a great for a great podcast co-host in this <laughs> case um and back to Neil, what you're talking about, that session that you did with, with, my, with myself, with Coach Stoneman, Coach Parks, continues to pay dividends for us, uh, using the disc to, to get uh, our, our personalities and how we fit with each other and thinking that, you know, for me, it, it helped me to realize like, oh, well, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with anybody that I work with. We just see the world a little bit differently from different angles. We have different strengths. We have different, you know, like for me, I'm a, I'm a high C. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be very conscientious, do things the right way. Not that anybody else is not doing things the right way, but Coach Parks is more, he's, a, he's an I. He's an influencer. He's out in front. He wants to be out in front talking to people. And Coach Stoneman's somewhere between an I and an S. So all these letters, all this disc talk, all this Patrick Lencioni talk, Tell our listeners a little bit more about the disc and a little bit more about what you do and how it might be able to help some of our listeners and some of our coaches. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the opportunity to use the disc. Um, I, I started using it with my staff and then I have used it with uh, college programs and uh, you know, that have had me come in and, and do the disc with their team and coaching staffs. Uh, so the, the, the disc is basically, you know, the disc D I S C is, is, it is basically um, dominant, influencer, steady, and compliant. That's where the, the, the letters come in. And you know, your, your dominant person is your, your fast-paced, direct, very decisive individual. They're very task-oriented. And if, if they have a greatest fear, it's, it's, they don't want to be taken advantage of. So they get out in front of everything. And, and they don't want a lot of detail. So if you're trying to, to give all this detail to a D personality, then, then they're going to shut you down after about the second bullet point. Um, and, you know, in, in the, a study that was done, about 3% of the population are, um, are, are, are Ds, which is probably a good thing. You know, we, we'd have war all the time, even more than we already have, because they're just, they love the challenge and they will embrace conflict.
Uh, the I, the influencer, very fast-paced, but very people-oriented. They will have as many friends as they can. They'll have multiple uh, social media uh, platforms open at the same time. You know, these are your fun-loving people who just, you know, they're, they are engaging. They walk in a room and they're looking for the first person to, to look them in the eyes and that's it. They're over there, they're talking. And it's by the time they're done, you know, they, <clears throat> with, with the night, they know everybody in the room. Their greatest fear is rejection. They, they don't, if, if you reject them, they, they respond very, um, it, it, it's not a good situation for them. They will respond uh, in a way that's, that's not positive in, in if someone rejects them. And it's about 11% of our population that are in that category. Uh, then you have your S. This is more of your steady, more slower pace. The pace gets a little bit slower. They're very people-oriented. And about 69% of the population are in this category. And so when you look at that, you got about 80% of the population are about people. So think about that and think about what we've been going through as, as a nation and even as a world and where we are having to distance from people. And so it's, it's no wonder that people are struggling because we, we're naturally, the majority of us love to interact with people in some way. The, the S is, is, a, is, a, is a great teammate. They're very uh, loyal and, and they want the team to win. It's about you know, the, the team. And then your C is, is your compliant person, someone who, if there's a rule, let's follow the rule. There's always a right way to do it. Let's not make it up. Let's just do it right. A lot of times the C's get, they get misunderstood because you know, they may be on one end, for example, of basketball, they may be on one end of the gym and, and they're working on footwork and they got their headphones on and, and it's like they're not even engaged and the, the rest of the team's on the other end and, and they don't understand why you want them to be on the other end because those other guys are, or ladies, they're not doing what you asked them to do. I'm actually down here, coach, you told us this is how we're supposed to do it. I'm actually trying to do that. And so there's a conflict that's created just simply because there's a misunderstanding of what that person is, is trying to do. About 17% of the population are in that C or, or compliant category. And the, the, the greatest fear for, a, for an S is loss of security. The greatest fear for a C is, is criticism. And so what I try to do is I try to help coaches, and really it's not just coaches, it's, it's an entire program, understand one another. What the DISC does is it provides self-awareness once you understand who you are individually, you have a better understanding of why that person over there just absolutely ticks you off by what they do. It, it helps you to, to temper that response because then you, you learn social awareness. You learn, what I do is I teach a workshop that allows you to understand the characteristics of all of these different letters, right? And so I understand how to determine who someone is, even though I don't have their disc profile. I, they're, they're accused and giveaways because this is observable behavior. And then what that leads to is strategic engagement. I can then strategically engage in how I'm going to communicate with, with my teammate, with my spouse, with my office mate, whoever it is. And I, I do the disc both in the business setting and the relational setting, as well as in the athletic setting and academic setting. But what it leads to is better communication, better relationships, and better outcomes. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. I was telling someone, you know, it's a, it's a tough time to be in, in business for yourself. But, you know, if you have limited dollars that you can spend on hiring someone, 
you better get it right because it's easier to hire and to, to retain than it is to rehire or to have to go out and find somebody else. And what the DISC does is it gives someone an, an idea of who that individual is. If you're looking for someone who's very detail oriented and you hire an I, you're going to be disappointed because that's not their strength. But if you're looking for someone who's going to go out and meet people and kind of like Brian, you mentioned with, with one of your coaches, Perry, you know, that's his strength. And so put him out there, let him be that face and let him go and, and do what he does best. And really as coaches, our job is to put our players in the best position possible to do the greatest good that they can do on the court in life, whatever it is. And so uh, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I'm, I'm really just trying to take this, in essence, it's a business assessment that's used in a variety of, of areas and, and make it applicable. It's very applicable to athletics, to relationships, uh, to life. So I, I do a couple of other um, workshops. You referenced the five behaviors, you know, basically trust, conflict, commitment, accountability, and results, you know, and working through that based on the disc and then working through uh, questions that demonstrate where your uh, group, your leadership group is. It's, it's a powerful tool to help teams become uh, more engaged and better able to accomplish what they do. And then a newer assessment that I've been using recently is it's a four-dimensional assessment. It includes the disc, which if you think about an iceberg, you, the disc is at the top. It's what you can observe. And then your next step or your thinking styles. How does a person come to a, a situation and think? What are they trying to solve with their mind and how they think? And then the next level is what are the hidden motivators? What, what actually drives that person to do what they do? And then the very bottom, the totally unseen as well, is the behavioral attitudes. And, and what I've been able to do with that is, is actually I, I had one college who hired me to do with, with one of their coaches. And in the end, the coach basically said, you know what? I don't think that I can do what you want me to do at this institution. And they left. And I thought, well, there goes that one. And the AD said, no, actually, Neil, this is great. Because she understands better who she is. And she realizes there's so much more that she wants to do that's not even related to here. So, you know, he's like, hey, when we get this new coach in, I want you to come in and do this for her so we can understand each other on that level and be able to communicate on that level. So uh, that's just kind of a 30,000 foot view, hopefully fast enough for your listeners. Hopefully nobody dropped off. But, you know, there's just some great tools out there that you can use to, to make yourself better, to make your teams better and, and your organizations or, or whatever you're leading. Neil, I go back to something you said at the beginning of that. It's all about the, the, the self-awareness. And I've, I've seen it in my own life and then working with you through the disc and through some other personality typing systems. But the better that I can know myself and the better that, that helps me understand others as I start to look through my lens to see them. And you're talk, talking about Perry and Eric, these guys that are amazing to work with. 
they are great out in front of a crowd. And for me, like I, I will shy away. I, I like the behind the scenes. I like the, and you're right. I mean, you were talking, you're telling my story. I fear criticism. Like, please, Krista, please tell me I'm doing a great job of this podcast. Don't ever tell me. No, I'm going to say, but like that, it just helps me know myself, know other people. And just thinking about really getting into coaching when I first got into it, it was all about X's and O's. Like, oh my gosh, I have the most knowledge. I know all the drills. I know all this stuff. I didn't know people. <laughs> and now that I've gotten where I am now, and not to say that I know everything I know about to know about people, but I've learned a, a ton and there's more to know, but it's all about people. And so now to have these tools to be able to meld it, to empower our team and this to make us stronger. It's, it's a, it's a real gift. I, I wanted to jump in real quick before Chris asks his next question. I, I think it's a huge gift. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about the self-awareness too, Brian. Um, but Neil's known me 45 minutes. So what am I, Neil? I want to know. I got to know. I think I'm an <laughs> I, but I'm not sure. I, I got to know. If, um, if, if I had to guess, I would, I would probably put you somewhere in the I. Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to because I can't see you. Right. There, no, I, there are some physical clues. You know, if I were interacting with you, I could watch your hands. I could watch your feet. These are all well, things that I yeah. You know that that I can and and I'm I've yet to have anybody go. No, you're wrong. You know, well, most I mean, people when they read the report, they're like, oh yeah, this is me right on. So. <laughs> but. I was talking to Brian before the podcast and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to ask this guy. And now I have a million questions <laughs> as you went through it all and explained it. Um, and now you had, you talked about one incident with a coach who said, I'm, I can't be here at this university to do what, I, you know, how do you determine if you've been successful in implementing your program with people? So my philosophy is that as an administrator, uh, my, I, I, am a, I am not a micromanager. I've worked for two micromanagers in my past and it was like, uh, and it was back to back. And so from there on, I have, you know, I have sought out uh, spaces that that was not a part of it. And so as an athletic administrator or any kind of administrator, I've always tried to, to, to go at it from the standpoint of your you're as as the coach of this program or the leader of this program you're you're the champion for that if if first of all i've had the privilege of hiring everyone here so you know i i know who they are i'm not inheriting anyone and so i wouldn't have hired you if i didn't trust you to do the job that that i think you can do and i'm not here to help you because helping is reactive and this is my perspective Helping is reactive, supporting is proactive. So what I try to do is how can I support you? And when my, when my coaches are successful, when their teams are successful, what that means for me is I've done everything I can to support them so that they're not running around. I want my coaches to be coaching. I don't want them to be doing anything else. And so we've built a program here at Bob Jones where the coaches coach. They don't do anything on game day. They don't do, you know, they don't set up their practices. They, we have people that do that and, and they go in the gym or they go on the field and, and they coach. And, you know, that's to me, that's success. And then, you know, if you want to take it to the next level, well, is there any outward acknowledgement of that? Our, our institution is for the last four years, won the president's award for excellence in the national Christian collegiate athletic association, which basically says, 
uh, our programs have accumulated the most points based on how we finished in the year. So I look at that and say, okay, for the last four years, I have supported these coaches to the level that they've been able to go out and be successful. You know, we're eight years old. We're going into our ninth year. I think we've won like 13 national championships at our level. And, you know, so to me, that's, that's how I measure the success on this side. Before we get into the greatest game, Neil, this, we could talk about disc and uh, you know me and Chris knows me and I think our listeners are getting to know me. I could talk about the esoteric and the, the soft skills and all of what we're talking about for hours, but we need to, we need to take a diversion and get to the greatest game. But before we do that, tell our listeners how to learn more about the disc, how to get in touch with you, anything you want to tell them about the disc and how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I appreciate that. I, I would love for you to visit athleticdisksolutions.com. It's a website that uh, is, is my website and um, athleticdisksolutions at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And, and actually, uh, what I'd love to do is, is uh, over the next seven days, if you reach out to me via the, the email athleticdisksolutions at gmail.com, if you reach out to me and this, just let me know you're interested, uh, I'll put you into a drawing and I'll give away two free DISC assessments. And then I will also throw in that I will not only do the assessment and, and give you the you know, report on that, I'll also do uh, a, kind of a, of a business coaching model. I'll spend about 90 minutes with you and we'll talk about where you are, uh, you know, where you want to go and, and how do you get there. And, and we'll, we'll spend good time. I've done this before. It's been very profitable for other coaches that I've done this with. And, and, and it's free. I'm, I'm happy to, to provide that to listeners of the podcast. So the first two, um, I'm sorry, not the first two. The, the, those that submit uh, to me an email and say, hey, put me in the drawing. Uh, just uh, put all those emails into a randomizer. And then the top two, I'll, I'll reach out and say, congratulations. You're the winner. Let's find out about who you are. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That uh, We'll put that link in the show notes. It's a beautiful website and uh, that athletics, this athletic disc solutions at gmail.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Appreciate, Appreciate that, that offer for, for our listeners. But uh, so after that, like we, we, we probably looking back, Chris probably should have split this one up in maybe three episodes because there's a <laughs> lot of meat on this bone, but let's go ahead and get to the meat of the podcast here. The greatest game. So coach ring, Take us into the arena. You've got an absolute doozy that you, that you sent in that we know you're going to talk about. So tell us about your greatest game with as much detail and why it's so special to you. Yeah, so let me set this up, okay? So 2015-16, uh, I'm in my fourth year. Uh, no, third year, fourth year, fourth year uh, as head coach at Bob Jones. And uh, I, I knew that we had a pretty special team but I wasn't sure, you know, how special. We started off 6-0, and and the game before the one I'm going to talk about, we played a really strong North Georgia team at home, and, and I was just reviewing before we started talking. Um, we, we went between the, the 14th minute in the second half and three minutes left in the game. We, we went on a 38-6 to run and erased a double-digit deficit from the, you know, at, at the beginning of the second half. And, and just one going away. I mean, it was, it was the most remarkable run I've ever experienced. North Greenville is a solid NCAA Division II school. So it was a huge win for us. Then we go out the next week and we play uh, against USC Upstate. 
And Upstate had beaten us by, I think, 67 the year before. And part of the reason for that was, was Ty Green. I don't know if, if you ever uh, got the opportunity to, to see Ty, or, but I, the year that we beat Upstate, Ty was in the MBDL getting double digits, uh, you know, in, in, in that league. And so we had, we had played them. This was our third year in a row to play them. And, you know, they had, they had three senior guards the year before. And, I mean, they just – it was like, you know, a knife through butter. There wasn't anything we could do. I couldn't have thrown chairs out there and stopped them. You know, it was just <laughs> – they were doing everything right. And, and Coach Payne, you know, did a great job. And so we, we – so we're coming off – we're 5-0. and oh, We're coming off of this, um, you know, this momentous victory. And it's like, you know, okay – there's really no way that this is going to keep going, but hey, let's go give it a shot. So, you know, we started off and, and we actually started off pretty well. We, we, we were trading baskets. We got a little bit of a lead. And then, you know, anytime a non-scholarship school, which we're not, a, we don't give athletic scholarships, hence the, the move to NCAA Division III, will be the only Division III school in South Carolina. So, you know, we feel like that's a strategic a placement for us. But, you know, we're, we're going into USC Upstate, and I don't care if it's a mid-major, low-major, whatever, they've got scholarships and, you know, 12 coaches, and we don't, right? So it's like it, it's a mismatch going in. And so about halfway through the first half, what normally takes place is the bodies, the Division I bodies start taking over. And, and now you, you're down six, and then next thing you know, they're on a 13-0 run, and you're down 19. You know, that's, that's kind of well, – well, we never really let them get away from us by more than about 15 or 16. And, you, you know, you're going into halftime. I think we were down 13, and it was like, wow, we're, we're in position here. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm looking at the box. Where we were down 11, so it was even better. We were down 48-37. And, and we went into halftime and we talked about, listen, we're, we are, we're in this game. We've never been this close with Upstate at this point. And, and they had freshmen in the backcourt. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, freshmen or freshmen. And, and I had some veterans who were really good shooters. And, and you know, we, I had one young man that went on a, about a 9-0 run by himself, just three after three, you know, hit a couple of layups, hit a three, you know, just – it was like he just took over, and all of a sudden, it's a ball game. We always played these games four minutes at a time. And so, you know, first four minutes, and you got a, t a timeout, and we track. So we would track, and we started noticing that, okay, we're not getting killed in these last four minutes of the half. And so we came out in the second half. Well, I can imagine that some things were said in the other locker room, reminding them that who they were and who we were, and, you know, and, and so they came out and they pushed that up to about 15 or 16. And then with about 14 minutes to go, I believe, it was just, it, it just became a game. I mean, it really did. It wasn't about Division One versus an NCCAA program. It, it was about two teams playing basketball. And, and on that day, we just, we made more plays than they did down the stretch and pretty soon you know we're we're cutting it down it's it's a single possession you know it's it's under double digits and and you know then it's kind of back and forth it's eight six you know then then you know they'll hit a three it's nine and then we hit a three it's six you know and just back and forth and then uh you know pretty soon 
it's it's going into the last five minutes of the game, and and it's legitimately, um, you know, it, it's legitimately a ball game. And you know, a lot of times as well. And, and I'm not coaching anymore, so I can say whatever I want to say about officials. But a lot of times in those games, there is no way that you're going to win because the home team, because no officials want to be the ref of a, you know, of an upset of the home team, you know, D1 versus non-scholarship, right? So, and I, I give a lot of credit to these guys who were doing this game. They sensed the moment as well that, that this was a game and, and they let both sides play and, and they didn't call – you know, ticky-tack fouls on us. They didn't call ticky-tack fouls on them. You know, they, they, they had no impact on the game. And I always look back on that and really was grateful for their efforts on that night because, you know, they, they let my kids have a chance. And not that they ever go out and intentionally – I'm not saying that, but it's just different, right? I mean, it's just you're Division One. you're supposed to win, and, and you're not as fast as they are, so you're probably – it probably was a foul, but it just seems like – there's a lot more fouls than they get, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not throwing any referees under the bus. But this night, you know, and, and then, you know, we had a kid hit a huge three to put us up by four. And we come down and, and we, we get an offense or we, we get a rebound, hit our, hit our five man. He had gotten out on the break. He goes down and scores. They missed some free throws at the end. Why we were fouling them. I don't know. It was great coaching, I guess. We put the right guys on the line. But, and at the end, uh, you know, it just came down to they missed and we rebounded and, and were able to get it out. And, you know, had, a, had a, a young man that year who made two huge shots, got into the lane and dropped two teardrops in our run at the end to, to, to bring us, you know, to, to bring us to, to close and then to tie us up. And then the kid hits the three. And just it was a, it was one of those momentous opportunities, um, and you know it was it was a great night. And I, of course, my kids are going crazy on our website. If you if you watch the the post game interview, I'm trying to figure out what to say. Right? I'm like, what do you what do you say after that? <laughs> be gracious to your host, and you wanna, you know, but you, you got to be excited, right? It's it's a huge win, and and. You know, you can hear the, the kids in the background just going crazy. You know, they are just – this was a moment in, in their lifetime that they'll never forget. And I'm, I'm, I was thankful to be able to be a part of that. And, you know, and, and this is – you probably go from the greatest games in life and then, then you have the worst games in life. So the next game we go and play, um, Coach, Coach uh, Ed, Ed Emanuel, Coach Rosine, and, you know – we just got hammered at our place. I mean, absolutely. You know, it was like men versus boys. And, and you know, he said, Coach, you, you did this to yourself. When you beat North Georgia and then you beat Upstate, my guys were like, we are not going to be the next one to lose to Bob Jones. And it was just, you know, credit to him. And he's got a great program. But, you know, it was, it was the, the epitome. This is, why, this is why people have gray hair and this is why people, you know, they, they can't sleep at night as coaches. And, you know, they're, they're, they, got, they got all kinds of stomach problems because, you know, 38 to – or yeah, 38 to 6 run, beat a D1, and then get hammered by, you know, Emmanuel. And 
you know, you, you, you're back to normal. Right. So, but that had to be of all the games I was saying it through that had be just, just because of, you know, the magnitude of beating a D one. And it was pretty funny. Dan Patrick uh, on his talk show, he, he was reading the score and he goes, Bob Jones beats USC upstate. And he's like, Bob Jones, is that one guy? Did one guy <laughs> beat USC upstate? So we, we were, we were close to sending him a shirt, you know, that Bob Jones, more than one guy, or I don't think we ever pulled the trigger on that. But that was a great night. And, uh, you know, I, I love that, that memory. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to, to relive that. Um, there were a lot of D ones that, uh, you know, <laughs> well, we just won't talk about those, but this is one I can always talk about. And, and, uh, really the guys just made the plays when they need to be honest now going into this game did you think you had a chance now you talked about how you had some senior guards you knew they had some freshman guards did, did you think you had a realistic chance to maybe keep it close and and pull off an upset yeah chris i think i think we went in obviously when you when you experience what we had experienced you know we were five and oh we just had that huge win at home you feel like you can beat anybody, right? Any given day. And, and we felt like the matchups were good. We just really did. We felt like our guards against their guards, you know, it, it was in, you know, it was, it was the 21st of November. So it's still pretty early in the season. You know, they had, they had lost at home to Navy the, the game before. And, you know, they were, um, you know, we just, I don't know, I, I guess we felt like that they were, they were a team that if we played well and didn't beat ourselves at the end, that we might have a chance. And, and you know, we, we ended up having a chance and, and, you know, came out with an 83-79 victory. You know, one of my favorite things looking at stat sheets, I love a stat sheet as, a, as an old basketball coach, but looking at the play-by-play uh, in, in a stat sheet, and you're right, looking at the middle of the first half, Right around, uh, let's say, the 11:29 mark, 10:59 uh, mark, you're down 29 to 13, and you're right, like you say, just the 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 D1 bodies just 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 take over at that point. And I gotta imagine that folks in the arena, folks, you know, the stat guys, radio guys, like, yep, here we go, Division One is going ahead and taking taking out that one guy, Bob Jones. But that, that's hilarious. I love that the Dan Patrick keyed in on that. But yeah. then you fast forward, just looking ahead, like you say, Dion. And first of all, Dion Holmes comes out. He makes the first three of the second half. Now, a callback for our our listeners here and Chris too. Back to episode twenty two, we had Andy Pitt, Andy Pitt. from <laughs> yeah from from Chesney High School. So Dion Holmes, a three thousand point scorer in the South Carolina High School League, uh, makes the first three and. Now now, now you're down 14, and, and here we go. But just slowly chipping away. So fascinating to look at that play-by-play. Play. But I just, I've got to believe that, like you just said, like you, you've got this belief, but just knowing you as a person, knowing how solid you are as a person and now as a coach, that that belief just had to be instilled in your guys there. And uh, it's just, I just, like I said, I just love looking at this play-by-play. Play. I don't know how many coaches do that, but I just I love doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a, you know, as I went back and just, you know, cause I have memories of the game, but I, I did the same. I went back and I remembered, you know, Dustin Killo in the first half saving our, you know, saving the game, basically a nine Oh run, something like that. And, you know, get it, giving us a chance to, 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 you know, to do it. And then, you know, second half Marshall Riddle, you know, goes off, hits a couple threes in a row and, you know, just anytime you're, and, 
you know, the two things. If you look at the points in the paint, you know, we're, we're, we're a non-scholarship school, I guess, at D1, and we got a lot of points in the paint. And they killed us offensive rebounding in the first half. And I was really proud of my guys in this game because they absolutely locked that down. And we had a young man, Trey Tipton, about 6'7", with a 6'11 wingspan. And, you know, he had five blocks that game. And so, you know, the old saying, you know, is, is it the X's and the O's or is it the Jimmy's and the Joe's? you got to have the Jimmy's and the Joe's. If we don't have, you know, 6'7 with 6'11 wingspan, you know, patrolling that pain and, and giving us a chance around the rim, you know, um, that doesn't happen. If, if we don't have guys that were just eagle-eyes from three, you know, that, that you know, I, uh, Marshall Riddle, there was a spot on the floor, he shot over 60% from three. So I didn't have to be too smart of a coach to say, how do we get him the ball there, right? <laughs> and And that's – and then Dustin Killo, the most efficient shooter I ever coached, you know, Dustin could, could score 20 points on 11 shots, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, most guys that's our level are going to shoot close to 50%. Sorry. I thought you were done there, coach. I said, that's a lost art scoring 20 points on 11 guys score 20 points on 38 shots now. And they're like, I scored <laughs> yeah. 20. You know, you shot the ball 38 <laughs> times. Terrific. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I was – so what I did was I, I dictated uh, – I had primary scores, and I just used our, our, you know, our synergy stats and said, look, if this guy's open, if you don't pass him the ball for the 60% shot and, and, and you're taking a shot where you're 19%, what, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, if, so and it, it made sense. That's why I loved um, synergy because it, it was like – you know, you, you put the stats out and it's enough said. You, you can't argue with that. Now, they will, but you can't argue with that from the standpoint of this is why I'm making decision to put that individual in that spot to take that shot. And he doesn't always make it, but 60% of the time, I'll, I'll take that any day. Yeah. Uh, as Coach Rick Duckett would say, there's a reason the other team left you open <laughs> to the 19% guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the simple way of putting it, without any stats. <laughs> yes. Well, wasn't it uh, Knight that said sometimes not guarding is guarding? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It speaks volumes. Coach, we'd like, we like to end on a, on a fun question here. Um, if I asked the player that coached for you or that played for you 20 years ago and I asked the player that played for you like six or seven years ago, your last coaching stint, what's the one thing when they do – I always like to say this. Every, every kid has their impression of you. When they do their coach ring impression, what's the one thing that they say that you say all the time? Oh man! A phrase or a word or <laughs> yeah, they all probably. have an impression of you, whether you think they do or not. Every oh, player yeah. that's ever played for you has an impression. Yeah, so you know, I, so I was always one. Honestly, I was always one that that I felt like that I didn't ever want my kids to think that I didn't make a mistake, and so I, I would probably too much. I would take I would take the blame for something particularly if it was something that I had, hey, do this, or, or I had said something, you know, that was uh, in haste, maybe shouldn't have said, then, then I, would, I would always go back and say, listen, I, I was wrong in that. I, I want you to forgive me for that. And, and so I had teams that would be like, you know, I would start and I could never just come out and say it, you know, like I would always have to like set it up kind of like I'm doing now. <laughs> so I had teams 
that would, they would just simply, they would kind of get the sense that this was where I was going. And they would be like, um, coach, yeah, we got it. You're forgiven. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it saved me a lot of time. But the funniest thing, I got to share this with you. So, so, you know, I'm blessed with five children. I have a two that graduated from college this year. And then I got a incoming freshman and a rising sophomore. And then I have a six-year-old. And so I've got the family that just doesn't quit, right? And, you know, love my little six-year-old. She's, she is unbelievably, you know, just bright. And we're so thankful for her and healthy and all of that, right? So I, I bring my team in and I get them in the circle and we're, we're ending practice. And I'm like, just as serious as I can be. I said, guys, I, I have to, I, I just, I need to tell you something. You know, I know a lot of you know that some things are going on with my wife and I and and, and I, I just, I, I really need to tell you, I mean, I mean, they're just like edge of their seats and their eyes are huge. And, and I'm like, you know, we, we found out from the doctor that, that my wife has contracted pregnancy. And, <laughs> and they're like, you could just see this like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and, and it was like, what, what, you know? And so then they're dancing around, you know, all excited and happy and, you know, and, 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 so actually, my child was born. I was in preseason practice. One of my kids had to run and get me, and so I could take my wife to the to the hospital. So, yeah, just a, I'll, that's a funny one. I'll never forget. And uh, you know, um, contracted pregnancy. I like contracted that. pregnancy. And I had them. I had them. Man, they were they were they were on the edge of their seat. They were ready to weep with sorrow. And then it kind of dawned on them what I was saying, and then everybody was all happy. So it was a good time. See, my thing is, I know there was one kid in there still as everybody's dancing around. Like, Wait a minute. That's it. not good. Oh, she's pregnant. Oh, I get it. They did the, that last person to get it. It's always a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Dr. Neil Ring, uh, just can't thank you enough for coming on the Greatest Games podcast with us today. One more time, tell us about, if you want to tell us about Bob Jones, what can our listeners uh, how can they find out more about you, Athletic Disc Solutions? Tell us all the things. Yeah. So first of all, thanks so much, guys. This has been fun. Uh, man, I, I needed this from the standpoint of, you know, it's just crazy with all the stuff. Who's playing? Who's not playing? Are they canceling? Are we going to have sports or not? So this has just been a great opportunity to step back from that, have a little fun, uh, you know, think about some, some really great memories. So thank you for that opportunity and allowing me to do that. Uh, would love for people to check out athleticdisksolutions.com. Reach out to me, athleticdisksolutions at gmail.com. Again, um, in, in the first week after, I think you're planning on this uh, drop, uh, the fifth, I think. But That's right. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, the, the seven days after, if you reach out to me on that email, athleticdisksolutions at gmail.com, you know, I'll put you in a randomizer in the, in the first two that come out. Uh, I'll reach out to you and we'll do a disc at no cost and, and do a coaching session with you. And hopefully, you know, my, my goal in life is to try to help people and hopefully it'll be a help to you. And, uh, you know, Bob Jones University, we're moving into NCAA Division Three intercollegiate athletics. Uh, we have 12 programs um, and, you know, we feel like uh, we feel like we're a great opportunity. If you're looking for a Christian faith-based institution, have great coaches who, who take uh, pride in mentoring and interacting with their student athletes. It's not just about athletics. It's about preparing them for life. And uh, we have a strong academic uh, history and it's, it's a, it's a great opportunity for 
um, for someone who's interested in, in that kind of an education or liberal arts school. Uh, we also have a School of Health Professions that's opening up and uh, business and all kinds of cool things. My daughter's actually going into our culinary arts school. So uh, we, we've, nice. got, uh, we, we've got some pretty cool opportunities. Uh, BJU.edu, uh, BJUBruins.com uh, is our athletic website. We'd love to have you check that out. Well, I will tell our listeners, I'm going to say this in front of you, Neil, publicly, that you are, you're one of the good guys. And, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to know you. And we were talking off the air before we hit record that been many times that you've talked me off the ledge and I'll call you up and in a tizzy and you're always there with a, a calm hand just to kind of get me back on course and get me some, get me thinking about some things. And that was before all of your disc and everything that you're doing now. And so I can tell tell Chris, I can tell you, you can tell all of our listeners again, that, that you're, you're the real deal and, and very fortunate to know you and just what, what a world that, that we even know each other, you know, the, that uh, you reach out after hearing me on a podcast and here we go meeting at a final four in Houston and off to the races and just to be able to learn and grow together. Just, uh, I really appreciate you. And really, again, thank you for coming on this show. It's been, it's been, it's been a blast. We, we got to do it again. Yes, <laughs> so. Brian and Chris, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, likewise, Brian, I, I value our friendship and, and really appreciate what you do because you're trying to do it the right way. It's not just about a program. It's about the people. And I think that's what we all need to focus on. It's about making an impact in the lives of those that we've been given to impact because that's our future. And I appreciate what you do. And Chris, I haven't, uh, I, we've known each other now for what, about an hour and, and would look forward to, to building on that connection. And, and uh, if you're a friend of Brian's and I can only imagine that you're uh, much like him and uh, I wish you well in, in, in your upcoming year and hopefully we all get to have athletics, right? That'd yes. Be a, thank you. Right. Yeah. Yes. I've hoodwinked him for 20 years, Brian. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. Chris is one of the good guys, too. But tell you what, let's go ahead and end it there, guys. And so for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.